John chapter 20, and we'll read our text in just a moment uh, or two. Now, I grew up in the 60s and the 70s. It was considered and is considered one of the most turbulent eras of American history. There were lots of protests. There was um, shortages. There were gas lines. And there was the cry for peace. There were a lot of peace demonstrations. In fact, I grew up in an era where we wore bell-bottoms. Some of you, how many of you wore bell-bottoms? Raise your hand. You don't have to be embarrassed these days. You wore bell-bottoms, and uh, maybe you remember, we not only wore bell-bottoms, but we, we uh, had little patches sewn on our bell-bottoms. And one of the patches that I had sewn on my bell-bottom was the peace fingers, and they were red, white, and blue with the stars and stripes, and we either sewed them on at the bottom of our bell-bottoms or on the back pocket of our bell-bottoms. Everybody was talking about peace and no war and how we needed to get along, and well, it sounds a whole lot like today, doesn't it? These are turbulent days we're in. Now, I have to admit, I think these are more turbulent than anything I've ever experienced because of all the things that have converged at once. People are tense. They're stressed. They're anxious about their life and about their future. It seems like uh, for the last uh, year and a half or so, they've been shut in. Sometimes they've been told to shut up, and they've been told to shut down. And many people, including Christians, have lost the sense of peace and their sense of security. And every week we see and we hear stories of how these kinds of things are taking their toll mentally and spiritually and physically on people. In fact, uh, about a week and a half ago, I clipped an article from the Wall Street Journal, and it, it, the article was headlined, Adults are throwing tantrums in restaurants on planes, and at home. And then the headline finished with these words in bold, blame the pandemic. It went on to state that restaurant servers and airline workers and customer service trackers are reporting a wave of blow-ups that are rooted in pandemic stress. The article further provided several stories or examples of those kinds of uncharacteristic adult tantrums and how this tension is simply and merely the side effect of a lack of peace and security that's resulted from the pandemic. And you know, just like in the 70s, today it is still true that the real answer to our problem is Jesus and the peace that Jesus can bring into a heart. Andre Crouch said it in his song, Jesus is the answer. Jesus really is the answer because Jesus is the source of real, lasting peace. In his book, The History of the Winchester Firearms, Dean Borman talks about the massive home that Sarah Winchester, the widow of the famed owner of Winchester Rifles, uh, she constructed this home, and, and she worked on it for for 38 years, from, 19, uh, from 1884 to 1992 when she died. The house was in constant construction. Teams of carpenters and masons and other workers were employed around the clock, constantly working on new things on this mansion. A lot of different stories have arisen to try to explain why she did what she did. It was a bit unusual, 
Most of them center on Miss Winchester's belief that she either was haunted by or would be haunted by the ghost of those who were killed by her husband's firearms. Others claim that she thought that she would not die as long as she kept building on the house. But for whatever the reason, she continued ordering more and more renovations uh, on the house. And in that mansion, there are now 10,000 windows. There are doorways and stairs that lead to blank walls. And there are over 160 rooms. It's estimated by today's standard that she spent more than $70 million on largely pointless construction. And it was all done in a desperate search to find peace and security, and it was ultimately doomed to fail. Well, today, just like it has been in the 70s or in the modern era, during turbulent times, people seek to find peace through equally fruitless uh, avenues. They turn to the government to find peace and security, or they look to uh, pleasure, or to drugs, or alcohols, or to immorality, or to materialism, all sorts of dead-end avenues in this quest to find peace. And by the way, the only thing that brings lasting peace is Jesus. In the 70s, 60s, and 70s, what a lot of people forget is that there was a great move of God on the backside of that. The hippies of the 60s and 70s became the yuppies of the 80s and the 90s. And by the way, God moved in them. They became, they were known as the Jesus people, and they ended up building some of the greatest churches in the history of the church because God moved. And God brought peace where their protests didn't bring peace. God brought peace to the soul. And I believe that only peace in the soul will bring, bring lasting peace in a culture. Amen. And like the staircase that Sarah Winchester kept building that leads to nowhere, if we pursue anything other than Jesus as pri the, uh, the Prince of Peace, there will never be uh, real and lasting peace. And... Jesus tells the disciples, as we've looked at in these past few weeks in his final discourse, he says to them, peace I leave with you, not as the world do I leave or give to you, but I give to you the peace that God has given, that my joy might be in you. Dear friend, listen, this world is broken. And because it is broken, it can never provide you with the real peace that you need. Only Jesus can settle your soul, and only Jesus can calm the weary and restless heart. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. He is the Prince of Peace. So if you will, notice the passage that we're looking at, John chapter 20, verse 19. It says, on the evening of that day, that's Resurrection Sunday, by the way. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said to them, Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. 
As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And if you forgive the sins of any, and they, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, Lord, would you take and open our hearts to your word? Would you clear our minds to receive your truth? Father, would you speak to us, transform us, convict us, challenge us, but most of all, Father, speak peace to our hearts, and may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O oh God, my rock and my redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, the setting here is the evening of Resurrection Sunday. It's been a long day. And it's been punctuated by the early morning revelation of an empty tomb and then followed by Jesus' appearance to Mary Magdalene. And yet amidst that news, we find the disciples still hiding out. In fact, the Bible says that they are locked in because they are riddled and plagued by fear and anxiety. They're not sure what to do, and they're not sure yet what their future holds. They have yet to put all the pieces together. You know, Jesus, we looked about in his final discourse, he kept saying to them, these things I have told you in advance. These things I have told you in advance. He was trying to get them ready so that they could connect the dots after the resurrection, but they, yet, they had yet to do that. They had not put the pieces together of what Jesus had told them. And as a result of that, instead of having peace, they were terrorized by fear. And instead of having peace, they were paralyzed by their anxiety. Now, I want to just insert something here for you. Did you know these are the same tactics the devil continues to use 2,000 years ago in our lives? To terrorize us with fear of the unknown or the what might be, to paralyze us with anxiety and to lock us in to ourself in anxiety and fear when all along Jesus wants to bring peace into your life. So let me show you how to find peace in turbulent times. I think you would agree. Would you agree these are turbulent times? And would you agree one of the greatest commodities that we could possess in the midst of all of this is peace? And would you agree with me that our world desperately needs to see what the peace of God looks like in a life in the midst of turmoil? So let me show you three things this morning. First of all, I want you to know that peace results from Jesus' presence Verse 19 says that Jesus came and he stood among them. A.W. Tozer says, nothing in or of this world measures up to the simple, listen, pleasure of experiencing the presence of God. Nothing in or of this world measures up to the simple pleasure of experiencing the presence of God. Now, notice what the first words that Jesus said to them were. Did you get that? It says, and he stood among them. By the way, just a footnote locks are no problem for Jesus. They, they were locked in. They were afraid of the Jews, but locks aren't a problem for Jesus. And if the devil has you locked in some kind of fear or anxiety, you need to know something, that there is nothing that can lock you in against the power of God to deliver you. And so they're locked in, and the first words that he says, the first words, he didn't say, hey, gang, I'm back. <laughs> I told you. What did he say? He said, peace be with you. 
He knew they were afraid. He knew about their anxieties. He knew about their worries. And he said, peace be with you. You know, nothing has changed about that because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And so where the Prince of Peace is, there is peace. If you're living in fear or anxiety because of the turbulence of things that are going on, then, by the way, one of the things you might need to do is turn your television off. But, but most of all, you need to turn your eyes upon Jesus. Jesus' presence changes everything. He knew that they were afraid. He knew they were confused. He knew they hadn't connected the dots. But listen, we have an advantage today, 2,000 years ago, because we have connected the dots. And so our life can be characterized by the peace of the presence of Jesus Christ. And just being in his presence, listen, was a game changer. It was a game, and it still is today. So if you want peace, listen, you got to get close to Jesus. Get close to Jesus. How ironic it is that we will spend so much time reading, watching the news, surfing the internet, browsing social media, but we will not spend anywhere close to that kind of time with Jesus in his word and in prayer. And then we wonder why our lives feel feel chaotic, why we have fear and anxiety. We're spending so much time, if we're not careful, uh, pursuing the ideas of the world instead of the truth of God. And so our hearts are in turmoil, and we lock ourselves into fear. Peace results from spending time in the presence of Jesus because his name is the Prince of Peace. You say, you keep saying that, Pastor. Well, I didn't say that. I didn't come up with that. The prophet Isaiah did. In Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7, the prophet writes and says, his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government, listen, and of peace, there will be no end. Peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Alexander McLaren said, peace comes not from the absence of trouble, turbulence, but from the presence of God. I will never forget, years ago I was young in ministry and Allison and I had been overseas. I'd been asked to uh, speak at the Finnish Baptist Convention in Tampere, Finland. And uh, they had sent with us uh, this team of us that were going over there, uh, uh, a, a wonderful, large African-American brother named Ernest Alexander. And Ernest was a Juilliard-trained musician and, and had an incredible voice. And and I will never forget, we're in Finland. We had finished the, the conference there, and we're, they are going to fly us to Helsinki for a couple of days of sightseeing, and then they're going to fly us to London as a gift uh, and let us tour uh, London. And so we're headed from Helsinki to London, and we're on thin air. Thin air. And we're headed down the runway, taking off, and we're kind of exhausted. Ernest Alexander is sitting in front of us. This, this brother is sitting in front of us. Alice and I are sitting 
Uh, behind him, we are taxiing down the runway. The a- airplane is picking up speed. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, the, the pilot pulls the plane. and It's like it goes straight up. I thought we were on the space shuttle, and they didn't even have the space shuttle then. And people literally start screaming, ah! And here we go up. I thought it was going to stall and just flip over backwards, you know. And my wife has a death grip in me. I still have scars, I think, in my arm where she clamped on. And uh, by the way, that's happened turbulent several times. In one of the, <laughs> one, on one trip we were on, my wife grabbed my arm. There was turbulence. The plane was, burning. she said, do something. <laughs> so I did the only thing I knew to do. I, preacher, I took an offering. <laughs> it was a big one. no. <laughs> <laughs> but we're back to thin air. And so we get up and we level out and finally we're, everybody's heart comes back down in their, their chest and we go on down and it came time to land. And, uh, you know, I've been on enough planes even at that stage in my life to know that landing, you know, when you begin to land, you, you, initially you begin to descend and then as you start c- approaching the runway, you start lowering the tail just a bit, you know, to... To, to do this number, to get in. Not thin air. <laughs> they get you up fast, they get you down fast. And we're going down, and he, I mean, we're, it's like a missile. We're headed toward, toward the runway, and I'm thinking, I don't think this is right. <laughs> and right, I don't know how far above the ground we were, and then all of a sudden, the pilot yanks the plane back up, and here we go, back up like the shuttle again, and people are screaming, and do you know screaming in Finland sounds just like it does in America? (laughs) And here we go, back up, and I tell you, we're a a nervous wreck, and uh, and, uh, then all of a sudden, Ernest turns around like this, looking over at us, and he's got this big smile on his face, and he says this. He says, he's at perfect peace. We have terror on our face. And he says this, brother, isn't it great to know your life is in the hands of the Lord? Perfect peace amidst the turbulence. By the way, I did ask when I got off the plane, was there an issue? And they told me this, that there was one of the pilots was in training. He was in training. (laughs) Praise the Lord. But peace is not, not because there's no trouble. Peace is because of the presence of God. I trust in the presence of God. And that's where my peace comes from. And God taught me a lesson. Don't trust a pilot. You trust in me. Thomas Watson said, if God be our God, he will give us peace in trouble. When there's a storm without, he will make peace within. Listen, he goes on to say, the world can create trouble in the midst of peace. Amen? But God can create peace in trouble. So if you're in turmoil or stress 
are locked in by anxiety and fear, I want to tell you, first of all, the presence of Jesus changes everything. Get near Jesus. The second thing I would tell you is that peace results from Jesus' pronouncement that he made in verse 21. He said to them again, did you notice this? He said to them the second time, peace be with you. But now this time when he says it, he connects it to something. He calms their hearts again with his peace, but he connects his peace to their commission to carry on his work. In turbulence, and there would be turbulent times for them, there would be tribulation. There will always be tribulation until Jesus returns. In this world, you have tribulation. Be of good cheer. Why? Because I'm your peace. Be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. And he says to them, peace be with you. I'm sending you out into turbulence. I'm sending you out into chaos. But peace be with you because if you serve me, I will be with you. And remember where he is, there is peace. Not the absence of trouble. There is peace. And he connects his peace with their commission to carry on the work. You say, well, I I understand that. For you, pastor, you're a pastor, and you must carry on the work of God in the midst of uh, troubling times and all of those things. No, 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 that's for all of us, folks. You see, God created you, and God called you, and he's given you purpose. Serving God uh, will not eliminate hardships in your life. It will not uh, eliminate pain in your life, but it will enable you to find his peace in your soul. In Acts 16.25, it is recorded where Paul and Silas are sitting in a prison cell. I've told you before, I've been to Rome on a couple of occasions, and I've been in at least one of the cells they believe that Paul the Apostle himself sat in, and it's tiny. In fact, I could not even stand up. I'm 6'4", and I couldn't stand up straight in it. And he spent months in that prison cell. It has one little hole in it in the floor. I'll let you figure out that. And then it has a little skylight at the very top about this uh, uh, big, uh, uh, maybe about this, this long to let some, some light come in. And he spent his time in there. And on one occasion in Acts chapter 16, we find Paul and Silas in a prison cell. And you know what? They're not walking around anxious. You know what they're doing? The Bible says they're singing hymns and praises and they are praying. In the midst of trouble, you see, we sometimes think if, if God be with me, there will be no trouble. Tell Jeremiah that when they threw him in the pit. But Jesus was in the pit with him. Tell Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that God will, uh, will abandon you to the fire. And they'll say, no, no, he'll be in the fire with you. Tell Daniel, Daniel, don't get thrown in the lion's den because if you do, you're on your own. No, Daniel would stand and rise and say, just not true. In the den of the lion was my Lord Jesus with me. And the angel of God shut the mouth of the lion. Listen, when you are living out the purpose and the calling that God has created you for, guess what? You have the promise of his presence, and with that, his peace be with you. And so he says, peace be with you. I'm going to be with you. Now, I'm sending you as the Father sent me. I'm sending you. But because they were in the will of God, they had the presence of God. 
in the midst of the difficulties that they would face. And listen, friend, the peace of God is supernatural. It's not circumstantial. The best the world can give you today is a circumstantial kind of peace. God doesn't give circumstantial peace. Because when your peace is circumstantial, listen, it comes and goes. If things are good, you have some measure of peace. If things are bad, guess what? You lose your peace. That's why Jesus said, the peace I give to you is not the, the peace that the world gives. It's the peace that the Father can only give you. And Paul called it supernatural. And he said, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. It doesn't make sense, but it works. And that peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is a turbulent season. What we need more than anything else is the peace of Christ to guard our hearts and our minds. That's why we must, be, uh, uh, we must spend time in His presence and in His Word with Him. And by the way, th- those words I just quoted out of Philippians, a peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. You know where those words were written from? They were written by Paul who sat in a prison in Rome. That's what he said. He said, listen, uh, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And then, and then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. What is he saying? Pray, get in the presence of God, and then you'll be in the will of God. And when you're in the will of God, you will have the peace of God to go with you. Here's what Jesus, in effect, is saying to his followers in our passage this morning. He's saying, I'm sending you to do what I created you for. And my peace will be with you all along the way. And it would, it would, because these these terrified disciples and these terrified, paralyzed followers would leave this place and they would go into all the world and some would serve him in sickness, but they'd have his peace. Some would serve him in prison cells, but they would have his peace. Some would be persecuted and some would die, but they would have his peace. His peace goes with those who obey his purpose and serve his kingdom. Now, if your peace is lacking this morning, it may be that you're serving the wrong kingdom. If your peace is lacking today, it may be that you're seeking the wrong sources to find the peace of God. His peace goes with those who serve his kingdom. What were you created for? God put you here on purpose. And you will find his peace when you're living out his purpose. You'll find his peace when you live out his purpose, no matter how turbulent the season may be. Do y'all get this? You get this? His peace in your life is connected to his purpose for your life. And so he says, Peace be with you, now I'm sending you to carry on the work. But there's one final thing I want to show you this morning, and that is that peace also results from Jesus' provision. I love verse 22. I never really thought about it in depth until 
last week and I was delving into this passage as the Lord began to speak to my own heart. And I, I just focused on the statement. He breathed on them the Holy Spirit and, they, and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what you have to understand. You say, well, what's so unusual about that? I'll tell you what's unusual about that. that. They're locked in a room. They're not where they would be when Acts 1-8 occurs. Acts 1-8 is when they're in the upper room and they're waiting there for the power of God to descend upon them. They were told to go and wait there. You go and wait there and I will fall on you. This is before that. It's before that. So what's going on here? Well, I believe, and uh, many others believe, that given the context here, uh, this is an, uh, a temporary fill, filling of the Holy Spirit for them until the permanent filling that comes in Acts 1-8. So in other words, he says to them, I'm sending you out, and I'm going to go ahead and give you a measure. I'm going to breathe on you to calm you down. I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in you. And by the way, why would the Holy Spirit calm them down? It is because the fruit of the Spirit is... Peace. And so he says, just settle down. You calm down. I'm with you. I, I, I'm, I am with you. I have made provision for you. And, and here's what's significant for us. Jesus has done more than just give us this purpose, this life mission. He has given us all that we need to fulfill that mission. And that's what he was saying to them. He said, that's why he says again, uh, peace be with you. Now, I'm sending you to do what I created you to do. But don't go in fear. Don't go uh, full of anxiety. Let not your hearts be troubled. Don't go that way out for the mission that I've created you for. He says, now receive my Holy Spirit to enable you and empower you, and, and then, then wait in Jerusalem until the permanent falling of my Spirit comes on you, to enable you. You see, peace comes with the provision that God has made for us in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's power in us is what enables us to do what God created us to do. Let me explain it to you this way. You can have peace as you face the troubles and the turbulence of the age or of life because you have the assurance of power in your life by the indwelling Holy Spirit. So because the Spirit dwells inside of me, I can have peace and I can have the power to make it the next day and the next day and the next day because of his provision for me uh, through the Holy Spirit living inside of me. Does that make sense? The same power, Paul writes, that raised Jesus from the grave is the power that can operate in our life through the Holy Spirit. And so if Jesus is the Prince of Peace and the fruit of the Spirit is peace when the Spirit resides in me. And when I stay close to Jesus, guess what? I get to live with peace that passes all understanding. In turbulence, we must remember God's provision and rest in Him. We must let his peace become our peace. 
And that's what he was doing when he breathed on them. Peace be with you. Receive the Holy Spirit. Calm down. I'm in control. Trust me. Don't find your peace in this world. I want to tell you today, dear brothers and sisters, if you're looking to find peace and security in this world and in this age and in the midst of what we're living in, you're going to be sorely disappointed because it's, it can never give you the source of peace. It can only give you circumstantial, and that's only occasionally. Listen, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of lords. It's not by might. It's not by, uh, it, it's not by power being, having the right position and having the right place or having the right capabilities or the right resources. He says, it is by the Spirit of God. Listen, friend, I, I, I remind you that our nation is in a mess right now. Our world is in a mess right now. We have unprecedented health concerns. There are now serious economic concerns. There are international threats that we haven't known since the Cold War. There are extreme political divisions that are tearing our nation apart. There's unrestrained violence in many cities. There's moral decay never before seen in our nation. And I can tell you, I have never seen a time in my life where there was so much danger and decay and decadence converging all together at the same time. And the results of that, if that's all you think on and all you focus on, the results of that uh, will be and is for many people and many Christians, unfortunately, they have been controlled by this and controlled by their fear and they've been paralyzed by their anxiety. And like those early disciples, it's, been, it's like they've been shut in and locked in and they need a renewal of faith and the supernatural peace that only Jesus Christ can bring. You know what the prophet Isaiah also wrote, Isaiah 26? He said, you, God, keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in the Lord. He trusts in the Lord forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. He will keep in perfect peace me and you. When we keep our minds stayed on Him, when we trust in the Lord God forever. So I want to close by giving you and reminding you of some simple, simple truths if you are lacking peace today. Number one, remember to get in the presence of Jesus. I have a little book I keep with me. I brought a copy of it in here this morning. It's called Steps to Peace with God. I've given these out over the years. In fact, I, I, I recently had the opportunity to share uh, with a young man and, and leave him this book. I shared the points of this book, but left it. Steps to Peace with God. Why would this book have been distributed in the multiplied millions around the world? Because everybody wants peace. And in particular, if you want peace, you have to first start with peace with God. 
Peace with God and knowing what, that we can have peace with God. Uh, how can we have that peace? Well, we recognize who we are. We're all sinners, the Bible says. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The good news is that God loves us in spite of our sin. Isn't that good news? That God loves you. He loves you in spite of how you failed Him. He loves you in spite of where you've let Him down. He loves you in spite of where you violated His Word. And, if, and you need to know if you've never trusted Him, He still loves you. Our problem is because of our sin, it separated us from God. We can't get to God on our own. And we try things. We, we try to find peace with God through all kinds of different things. And maybe if I, if I, it can be a lot better than I have been. If I can just be uh, more good than I, I have been. Maybe God will say, well, you know, compared to a whole bunch of people over here, you're a lot better than they are. Therefore, I'll give you a pass. But the Bible says it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. In fact, the Bible says that our righteousness is like filthy rags when you try to do it on your own. And so that's our problem. That's our dilemma. So God loves me, but I'm still separated from God because of my sin. And I, I, so what do I do? Well, you don't do a thing except receive something because God has done everything that needs to be done for you to have peace with God. And it is sending his son, Jesus, who left his throne, thought it was not robbery to descend and then to hang on the cross and die. Did you know, by the way, that Jesus Christ is the only founder of any religion that died for his constituency? All all the other religious founders of the ages expect their constituency to die for them. Not Jesus. He died for you. Greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. He did for you what you could not do. He died for you on the cross. He shed his blood. In just a moment, we're going we're to uh, remember what he did for us in a thing called the Lord's Supper. And so what do you do? You, you receive him. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Not whosoever works harder. Not whosoever gets better. But whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And those of you who are watching us by live stream and television in this live audience, if you have never called on him, if you have never said, God, I'm a sinner and I need you in my life, I invite you to come in, forgive me. Thank you for taking care of my sin. Why don't you do that today? You can call out from, uh, to him from your heart in that way. Get, to the pre get in the presence of Jesus by making peace with God. Secondly, start living out the pronouncement or the purpose for your life, getting God's will. You'll be able to sing even in prison if you say, I am living out of the purpose of God. Even in your prison, even in your problems, you'll be able to sing and praise God. I didn't say it takes the pain away. I didn't say that, that difficulty do, doesn't come. But in your prison, you'll even find the grace of God, the Spirit of God in you that sings a new song. Start living out of the purpose of God. And then last, find peace in the provision of God's power. The Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Are you lacking peace today? Are you filled with the Spirit? I don't mean, does the Spirit occupy you? Listen, if you're not saved, He doesn't occupy you. But if you're saved, you may still be in turmoil. And if you're saved and you're in turmoil, it's because the Spirit of God is not ruling over your life. If the Spirit of God is in control... 
the peace of God will be manifested in your soul. This morning, if you don't have peace, get peace with God. Now, in just a few minutes, we're going to have an invitation. Before we do that, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper. And I'll give you some instructions in just a moment. But after that, we're going to have an invitation. And I'm going to step forward, and staff members will be on these aisles. And if you called out to Jesus just a few moments ago, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. If you said that, it's hard. You say, well, I didn't bow my head, close my eyes. But you said it to him in your heart. You said you called out to him. Those of you who are watching by live stream, the next step is to declare that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And in this live audience, I'm going to invite you to slip out to come down and say, Pastor, I, I, I wasn't sure. I've been doubting, and I've been, but I, I settled the issue today. Or I've never trusted Christ until this morning, and I called on him to be my Savior. And by the way, he hears that prayer. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And I'm going to invite you. That's what it is to come. I'm going to invite you to come and join this church. If you don't have a church home, I want you to come and join this church. Uh, you may want to come in just a bit when I invite you to the altar and pray. You listen to his voice. What is the Spirit of God? What is the breath of the Spirit of God saying to your heart? So important that you respond. Father, thank you. We thank you that you love us unconditionally, that you died for us. And Lord, now as we partake of the Lord's Supper, we do so to honor you and what you did for us. The very act, it is the gospel in symbol. Would you now speak even through this meal in Jesus' name? Amen.